Thank you for tuning into Aggie Catholic Talks. This recording is from a talk on spiritual warfare. Whether we realize it or not, all of us are fighting interior battles. If you feel lost in times of temptation or inner struggle, know that Jesus is ready to fight in you and for you, and that victory comes through surrender and simplicity of heart. Join Sister Ruth, an apostle of the interior life, as she encourages us during this Lenten season. So in preparing for tonight, I really just wanted to ask the Father if he had words of encouragement for you all. And so in bringing um, each one of you to prayer this week, and especially the last couple of days, um, that's really been on my heart. And so I wanted to start tonight by sharing a few things that I feel are encouragements for each one of us, but particularly for you right here and right now, tonight. Because the best way to live um, spiritual warfare, which is really kind of the theme tonight, is to live in the truth of who God is and who we are. So I just invite you, if you want to close your eyes for a moment, you're welcome to do that. And just receive these as if This were really the Father reminding you of this. I am not ashamed of you. I am not tired of you. You aren't too much for me. You are my beloved. I love running after you. Yes. You, fearful, foolish sheep, stuck in the gutter again. I love you. I love you, though you don't quite understand what this even means. You see failure, but I see you as a saint. I see the glory that will come. You can let go now. You can let go now, child. I'll take care of you. The idol of striving, of grasping, of earning is for orphans. You are not orphans. You belong to me. Your home is in the Father's heart, and you've been there before. You came from my heart, says the Father. Will you let me love you? I pray that there is something in these words that can reach your heart tonight because ultimately what's at stake is not necessarily a a theological treatise or a long list of rules or strategies but simply the art of letting God love us 
So I have a spoiler alert. Hopefully it won't be too much of a shocker, but we've already won. <laughs> He's already won. We would certainly not be here today if that were not the case. I think it's important in even talking about spiritual warfare to remember this very basic truth that God has won the war. <laughs> the power of Jesus' resurrection has won that war. So we get to learn how to participate in that. And that's our part. So I really like to see Lent as a warm-up to the Easter season. Let's see a show of hands. How many of you know how long Lent is? Yeah, anybody want to spill the beans? Oh, 40 days. Mm-hmm. 40 days, yes. Does anybody know how long the Easter season is? Partial credit. <laughs> Anybody? Any guesses? I heard 50 somewhere. Yeah. The Easter season is 50 days long. So longer than Lent. Kind of surprising, right? At times we can put so much emphasis on Lent that we forget, wow, there's a whole 50 days of Easter to be leaning into. And the reason that I just bring this up is that Lent, again, is like a warm-up for Easter. And so we want to remember where we're going and, again, what that victory is that we're all leaning into um, so that we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and don't fall into that discouragement of feeling like this spiritual battle of today and right now will be too much. Hopefully they can edit this out of the recording, but I feel like I'm going to need to ask a favor <laughs> if somebody has a phone or a watch on them because I don't see any timekeeping <laughs> device in my vicinity. I have my sister covered back there. Okay, thank you. <laughs> so, I don't know if you all remember what's been going on lately in church, but on Sunday we heard about Jesus's temptations, and on Ash Wednesday we heard a very interesting opening prayer to Lent. And I'm going to read it to you again because I think it can be easy to pass this prayer by. So this is the opening collect at the Mass, so that initial prayer that the priest prays at Mass on Ash Wednesday. It goes like this. Grant, O Lord, that we may begin with holy fasting, this campaign of Christian service, so that as we take up battle against spiritual evils, we may be armed with weapons of self-restraint. 
it's interesting that this prayer, which begins um, Lent on Ash Wednesday, has a very military kind of sound to it. So there's this campaign that we're on. We're taking a battle against spiritual evils. There are weapons of self-restraint. So the church herself uses this imagery of, of warfare, of battles, right? And I find it interesting to go a little bit deeper in this prayer because if, if we look at it more carefully, we're taking up battle against spiritual evils, it says. And we begin this Lent with holy fasting. So we haven't arrived yet. We're beginning. And the weapons that we're invited to use are self-restraint. So if the Lord's inviting us to a battle, he obviously thinks that we are capable of joining him in this battle. And I, I imagine it's a safe assumption to think that most of us in this room, if not all of us, have been baptized. But if we have been baptized, we have been made priests, prophets, kings, given authority to enter into that battle. Now, this might depend on your personality or your temperament or your character traits, but I know that some of us really get pumped up at the idea of a battle, and others of us, like myself, get very intimidated. Um, but I think there's another layer to this idea of spiritual warfare. And I'm actually going to read you a quote now from, this is from St. Augustine. And this is also part of the liturgy, the Liturgy of the Hours, that we prayed recently. And it's a really great reminder of an even deeper reality here. He made us one with him when he chose to be tempted by Satan. In Christ, you were tempted, for Christ received his flesh from your nature but by his own nature, gained salvation for you. Do you think only of Christ's temptations and fail to think of his victory? See yourself as tempted in him and see yourself as victorious in him. I love that last line. Yes, we are tempted. We all experience that but we are victorious in Christ. So at this point, I would like to introduce you to a um, practice that I like to call spiritual mooching. And <laughs> I know that the idea of mooching usually has a negative connotation. Um, and that's true if it's your roommate always trying to get your french fries, you know, every single time. But in this sense, um, spiritual mooching is something that we can do as much as we want of. <laughs> so let me explain. 
in the spiritual life, we receive everything from God. Everything. Everything is gift. And Jesus reminds us, you know, we read this in, Go in the Gospel of John, chapter 15. Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. Nothing without me. And so this very simple practice of prayer that I like to call spiritual mooching, you can call it whatever you want, but the idea is that I can ask God, I can ask Jesus, I can ask Mary or one of the saints to live their strengths in me. So for example, let's say I'm having a day where patience is really not going so hot. <laughs> and I just need patience. I need to grow in patience. I can simply pause and I can pray a very simple prayer and ask, Jesus, would you live your patience in me? Would you live your love in me? Would you live your forgiveness in me? Mary, would you live your gentleness in me. Mary, would you live your purity in me? And so on and so forth. I love this prayer because it's very simple. It's very direct. We don't have to mince our words. We don't have to make up a complicated speech to go talk to God. We can simply ask in trust and simplicity. And so if you would like to pray this way yourself, I just invite you, pick any person of the Trinity, any saint, <laughs> Mary, anyone in heaven, and ask that he or she would live that, that good quality, that virtue in you. Joseph, would you live your fortitude in me? Father, would you live your blessing in me? For me, this is what it means to find victory in simplicity of heart. Holiness may not be easy, but it's not complicated. And on this note uh, of being simple-hearted, I would like to tell you about someone that I know who I saw in church today. And this particular someone shows me a lot how, or what it means to be simple-hearted. So this little person um, is quite small. I don't know if he knows how to walk super well yet. And he has a big, huge smile. He laughs a lot. And when he gets mad, he yells. And if he's upset, he cries. And this little guy needs to be fed also. And when he see Je sees Jesus in a statue, he points up. 
And when he turns around in the pew, he locks you in the eye, and you can barely resist laughing in church, too. <laughs> this little boy, this little child, was simply himself. Now, evidently, I have the confession to make that I was a little bit distracted in Mass today. However, I was very grateful to the Lord because I think that the simplicity that we find in little children is a great gift for us. How many of you have younger siblings? Nice. How many of you have little cousins younger than you? Pretty decent. Any nieces or nephews? I have 13 of them. <laughs> That's what happens when you have a big Catholic family. <laughs> so, I'm happy to hear that lots of us have little people in our lives because little kids teach us a lot about the spiritual life. And I was thinking of just a few aspects I wanted to highlight tonight. With little kids, what you see is what you get. Love has no strings attached. You can learn this as soon as you have a five-year-old draw you a picture and then run off into the other room. Little kids are honest. They really have no problem telling you what they want or what they need. I'm uh, reminded of a this memory came back to me of when I was probably in middle school or early junior high, I'm not sure, but I was recording some music with my dad. So I was recording some Celtic fiddle tunes and my dad was playing guitar, so we were putting a couple tracks down and my youngest brother was there in the, the room, the studio where we were recording at our house. And my dad and I got through this whole set of, of tunes and we got to the end and I was feeling really good about it. Like, I thought we did, actually a pretty decent job that time around. And just as the last couple of notes were fading into the distance, I hear this little comment piping up from the corner. Aw, that stunk. <laughs> <laughs> and it's honestly brings back a lot of tenderness to think of simple moments like that in family life. Because again, the simplicity and spontaneity of little kids it just helps us to not take ourselves so seriously, to remember what's important in life, and to put things into perspective. Also, little kids are in awe of the tiniest of things, whether it's a minuscule little like insect, or a leaf or twig, they can just be entranced. And while there are many other things I could also list, I'm sure that you could as well, children embrace play. Children embrace play. And, you know, there was someone else a couple thousand, 2,000 years ago or so that had something to say about children 
So I want to share this quote with you tonight. Amen, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. I think probably all of us have heard these words of Jesus. But what does this mean for us? One thing that little kids like to do is also get messy and get dirty. And I have an epic photo of my two younger brothers after a mud fight um, that maybe I could pull out someday. But we, in life, just daily life, in our walk with God, we can get ourselves stuck in the mud, too. And this could be our sin. It can be discouragement, temptation. It could be selfishness. It could be things that we become attached to. So I would say that it's really universal that we all get stuck in the mud because last time I checked, we're all sinners, everyone in this room. And so in this process of learning how to be in that Christian campaign and fight that good fight with the Lord Jesus, I think it's super important to have handy some hooks that can get us out of that mud. Now, of course, we do know of the power of the sacraments. And, you know, I would say especially if confession isn't something that you um, feel familiar with or go to regularly, that would be a great first place to start. And actually, a week from today, we have our penance service, so perfect. But I think beyond maybe obvious things, such as the sacraments or prayer, which of course we all need, I do think it's helpful to look to what are those hooks from the Holy Spirit that can help pull us out of the muck of our sin and discouragement, and especially the ones that are most effective with each one of us. A few that come to my mind that I see linked to childlikeness are um, things such as being pulled out of myself by the beauty of nature, being able to wonder at something beautiful outside of myself. I heard someone say recently that it's impossible to be mad if you're curious. So the best way to get like a three-year-old to calm down if they're really mad is to make them curious about something. Honestly, I think we're not that much different. Sin makes us turn in on ourselves and be closed to God and to others. When we open ourselves to wonder, such as again, in the beauty of creation or of nature, 
that pulls us outside of ourselves. I think music can often have this power too. And, um, and I think also hidden acts of love or service can be really effective in this. I know that if I'm having a really tough day of either discouragement or where I keep falling into the same sins, the things that help me get out of that rut are crying out to God and asking for his help. Jesus, live your patience in me. Or just going outside for five minutes to look at how beautiful the sky is. Or listening to a song that's going to remind me of God's truth. Again, also those hidden acts of service I think can be super powerful for breaking the cycle of sin and temptation that we encounter. If I'm having a day where I'm feeling resentful maybe about something and that keeps coming up again and again, well, maybe I simply need to put away the dishwasher quietly and let that be my antidote, right? And this is going to be a little bit different for, for each one of us, but I think ultimately, even if we just ask the question, what would Mary do? What would Mary do here? That can be a great indicator. Another very powerful uh, weapon that I have found, and can think of this um, as like the quivers, uh, the arrows in our quiver, you know, what's the, the dagger in the sheath that we're carrying? Um, I think another powerful weapon is to not only thank God for the beauty of creation or for our friends, our families, but to actually thank God for the things that we don't like. Now, when I first heard this suggestion, I was like, seriously, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> but there's a great power in this practice to thank God, even for the things that we don't like. And why is that? Because it proclaims that he is sovereign. God is Lord over everything. There is no place in the universe he cannot reach. When I thank God for the things I don't like, it turns me to him again, instead of, again, being sucked in my own thoughts. And this is how we actually follow that, um, that command, that encouragement of St. Paul to give thanks always, always. I don't know about you, but I haven't found a way to give thanks Always, unless I also thank God for the things that I don't really like. Now, I just challenge you to give it a try. If you're anything like me, it probably doesn't sound appealing. Because <laughs> it didn't sound great to me when I first heard this suggestion. But I can tell you that it is powerful.
Now, why do we even do any of this? Why do we fight spiritually? Why do we engage in this campaign of Christian service as that reading, that prayer from Ash Wednesday says? We fight because we want to say yes to relationship with God. That's really what spiritual warfare is in the end. It's saying yes to relationship with God. We fight for love. We fight because we love. And he fights for us. He fights for us. I want to read you a couple of passages of scripture that talk about not our fight for God, but his fight for us, because I think it's important for us to hear this. So this is from Exodus chapter 14, verse 14. So easy to memorize if you want to memorize it. Exodus 14, 14. And the context here is Moses with the Israelites and the Egyptians are totally going after them. So it's actually really a harrowing section of the Bible, this drama between the Israelites and the Egyptians. But here's Moses speaking to the people on behalf of God, and he says, Do not fear. Stand your ground and see the victory the Lord will win for you today. For these Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to keep still. Another powerful passage along similar lines is in Second Chronicles, chapter 20. It's a similar circumstance, warring factions. Israel is being attacked. Pay attention, all of Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem. The Lord says to you, do not fear or be dismayed at the sight of this vast multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. You will not have to fight in this encounter. Tomorrow go out to meet them, and the Lord will be with you. And then just the last one which might be more familiar for us. This is from Isaiah chapter 30. For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, by waiting and by calm you shall be saved, in quiet and in trust shall be your strength. I love returning to these passages because I'm reminded that, again, the victory is won, and God has won it, and my part is to say yes to that victory, 
to let him fight for me. You know, we often fall into sin because we try to put our lives into our own hands. I don't know if you've noticed this pattern, but we usually sin because we want to be self-reliant. We want to figure it out on our own. We don't want to trust God. It's too scary. I have another story for you. This goes back to my family growing up as well. So I was probably maybe 10, maybe nine, maybe a little younger. And we were painting our, repainting our house. And so we had all these big buckets of blue paint lying around. So as Father Chris mentioned, I do like paint. I do like colors. I like all things artistic. Somehow I got into one of these buckets of paint when I wasn't supposed to. And I managed to get a big blob of paint right on the middle of my head, like right where I think I used to have bangs at the time. So like a chunk of where my hair was in the middle of my head. And I was so shocked that I had done this and so afraid of what was going to happen that I had a great idea as a follow-up to all this, which was instead of going to my parents, instead of telling one of my siblings, instead of, no, I just went, I found a pair of scissors, and I just chopped that piece of hair off. <laughs> and of course, I got into even more trouble. <laughs> so why do I share this? Because human nature is human nature, right? We want to take our lives into our own hands instead of trusting our good father. So, a couple thoughts just to conclude and to reconnect all of this to Lent once more. While we want to let the Lord fight for us, He does respect us enough to participate in this battle. And so, God gives us the intelligence, the will to find the chinks in our armor with the Holy Spirit, always, never self-reliant. But I just want to highlight a few that came to my mind that could be possible chinks in our armor this Lent. So if one of these resonates with you, I invite you to maybe write it down, make note of it. So one chink could be not resisting temptation right away right away. This reminds me of when Eve is talking to the serpent in the garden, right? She has this whole dialogue with the serpent. And of course, you know, that conversation could have gone a lot differently, but that's about when, um, you know, that conversation was unfolding. And of course, um, that made it much, much more difficult for her to say no. So if you find yourself with certain temptations that you just like to entertain in your imagination or maybe in your thoughts or what if, or maybe it's really not that bad, I invite you, don't be afraid to, to stop that as soon as you notice it. 
Another chink in our armor, this might seem a little bit counterintuitive, but it's actually not having enough non-spiritual consolation in our lives. So not having enough consolation in our lives on a physical plane, on a, an emotional plane. Now, this doesn't mean that we have to live an indulgent lifestyle. Of course, in Lent, we're invited to practice fasting and almsgiving and prayer. However, there is a spiritual wisdom to recognizing if I am grieving my grandparent who just passed away, and I just had five tests, and my boyfriend just broke up with me, maybe I need to actually go and have a scoop of ice cream right now, you know? Because there's a wisdom, again, in um, not letting those desolations accumulate. Because then, you know, the enemy can take advantage of that and lead us into more spiritual desolations, too. I would also say that if you recognize that you are on an intentional journey towards pursuing God, pursuing holiness in some way, no matter where you're at on the journey, but if that's the direction you've chosen in your life, then when shame or discouragement show up, you can know that that's not from God. If we are journeying towards the Lord, we've chosen that path, to walk towards God, then we can know shame and discouragement are not from the Lord. We can reject those. So I just invite you, as we're still at the beginning of the Lenten season, maybe you haven't had a chance yet to discern something to live during these 40 days, or maybe you did think of something, but Maybe there's something that's actually more appropriate for your heart that you can carry into the Easter season, into that risen life. I often like to ask myself for Lent, or really ask the Lord, like, Lord, what do you desire for me? And is this practice something that I wish I could have permanently as your follower, Jesus? Now, if you haven't given up things like movies and that sort of thing for Lent, I don't want to tempt you if that's been your Lenten resolution, but if you have not <laughs> given up um, movies, I think actually a great one to go back to if you've never seen it or if you have saw it a while ago is the Lord of the Rings series, that, that trilogy. It just speaks so well into spiritual warfare, like the true kind not the just worldly macho kind, because if you think about Frodo, you know, this main character, I think especially of that scene when he says yes to his quest, he doesn't do it because he thinks he's strong or powerful or smart, because he's really not any of those things. He's this small, humble hobbit. <laughs> but he says yes out of love. He says, yes, I'll go because I want to love 
these ones and these peoples around me. So let that be our yes to God this Lent, but also every day. Yes, Lord, I want to say yes, not to white knuckling or control or perfection or anything like that. I want to say yes, God, to love, to love you, to love my brothers and sisters. So I pray that this can be how we can support one another this Lent.